I'm excited about seeing God transform lives. If you're new and you're thinking, he's been preaching on chairs, I've got to explain this. And I know everybody's like, okay, he, he just has a wooden chair on the stage. In order to get this, there, there had to be the work of this. And I, I just want you to get that visual of that. Because I feel like our, our, our nation is struggling today. Because we have leaders that are this, that haven't been developed into their potential. And I'm not, I'm not just talking in the world. And we can look at the White House and we can look at government. And we can look at politics and say, wow, what a mess. I think we could look into the church and we could look into homes. And, and God says, I, I have men that look like this. And you're thinking, why, why aren't we producing men of God and passionate people? Because they're going to follow in the image of that. If we're going to be in the image of God, we've got to be a reflection of him. That's why we're to love God and get close to him so that I can become in the image of God. We start off like this. You might not see much potential, but I'm telling you, God, God sees something amazing. And that woman at the well that day, she came to Jesus like this. And I, I explained last week in their mindset, they, they didn't just, wouldn't it be great if lost people that just came up to us and said, Are you, do you go to church? I said, yes, I am. What must I do to be saved? Well, I'm not saying that never happens. But I'm going to tell you, well, let, let's just kind of take a survey. How many of you had somebody run up to you this week and say, lead me to Jesus, help me to know how to be saved? Raise your hand right now. Okay, so we've got to sit there. Well, if somebody comes up and asks me, you know, the, the, the woman at the well, the Bible says that they're alienated from God. They, they, they're blinded. They're calloused. That, that woman knew she was a Samaritan. She knew that she'd fallen short. She knew that she'd been married for all the time. She, she knew all of that. So yeah, she came to Jesus and walking up to that well with her, with her guard up of like, what, what are you going to say to me, Jew? You're going to knock me down? You're going to tell me how disgusting I am because I'm a Samaritan? And Jesus starts talking to her. And it's, she was like, what? It, it caught her off guard because all of a sudden, he began to connect with her. And show her love and show her concern. Something she wasn't used to getting from the world. I tell you, the world doesn't need to have their guard up to us because all they're used to hearing from us is ridicule. And complaints and problems because... I'll tell you what, I might not agree with their sin, but I do love the sinner because Jesus came to die for sinners. Before you get on your hobby horse, remember to take the stick out of your eye. <laughs> the Bible says, you, you better take that, that beam out of your eye is actually how to take the, before you worry about the little stick in their eye. Sometimes we think just because we, we showed up the church and we know John 3.16 that we've arrived. I'm telling you, you haven't arrived just because you, you're here today. You're blessed to be here today. You're, you're blessed to know the Savior. You're blessed to find salvation. You're blessed to be able to have it where God got into your life. And, and, and going back to this illustration of what Jesus does is he begins to take off the roughness. He begins to take it. I, I explained. Jesus, Jesus wasn't afraid of this. It, it takes work. It gets messy. And it's going to take some work and uh, self-sacrifice to do it. But all of a sudden, 
that, that woman at the well encountered the love of God. Because the Bible says it's with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. You can drag them right past that and say, you need Jesus. No, 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 no. They need a relationship with Jesus. It's not just dragging them to the altar and say, say this prayer. Nowhere in the Bible where you're ever going to see that you go to heaven because you repeated a prayer. But you believe in your heart. And all of a sudden, the light went off. And she, she, she went from, I perceive that you are a Jew. I can tell that you're a prophet. To come see Jesus. We've got to go from the world saying, I perceive that they're religious people that go to church on Sunday. So I can tell that there's something different about you as a Christian. To the point where they come meet Tony. He showed me and cared about me. And gave me the truth. But I, I want to take you. So, so this is where it starts, okay? You get to this point and all of a sudden, now there's this journey uh, uh, being conformed into the image of his son and God beginning to transform us. Behold, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. He that begun a good work will continue it. I, I could take you over and over again the, 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 the doctrine of regeneration of how God begins to do something new and, and, and give us new life and life more abundantly. This is all scripture. And it starts right here. Don't skip this. Because it said to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and might because it is inward, outward. You, you can take your kids and dress them up and put a Bible in there and make them memorize the books of the Bible forward and backwards and get them to this point. If it's not in their heart, it's not going to stick. No pun intended. It just doesn't work that way. And sometimes we get discouraged because we, we're so burdened for them that we, we drag them, I, I show them Jesus, live it in front of them and watch what God does it in their lives. Turn to John chapter 3. John chapter 3, not John chapter 4. Because I, I, I want to show you the principle of what happens. I, it's all connected. Jesus is all given the gospel through all of this. And here he encounters Nicodemus, and he's preaching the same gospel. Maybe a different illustration here. It's not water, it's birth. And Jesus said in John 3, 5, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter in the kingdom of God. And he's drawing this comparison of the, of the spiritual birth and physical birth. Of, the, of, of, of that which is born of flesh at flesh and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, ye must be born again. This is a powerful message because we understand that when we accept Christ and we have belief in our heart, we come to this point from here to there. What happens is there is, is you're born again. Now, I, I can understand that because... I, I have three kids of my own. I, I know that principle of what, what happens in that illustration, this new life, because the God blessing you with a child and that miracle of birth is amazing. I don't remember a lot of things, but I vividly remember the first time that I held each one of my kids. I, re I remember it. I, I, I remember it because I was totally in love with that gooey little thing that they put into my arms. And overwhelmed with the fact that that was my child. It was my baby. I remember 
the first time I, I had a, a Toyota RAV4, which was a car slightly bigger than a bar of soap, okay? And, and I remember having to pull that up and the nurses coming down to check to make sure that the, the, everything was secure in, in the seat and all that other stuff. And, and I remember getting in the car and I'm driving home because I have, I have this baby, okay? And, and it's this, this birth that I had to carry them out to the car. They, they, he didn't just walk out to the car. I mean, there, there's something you've got to understand what you're given. And, and all of a sudden, I remember driving home and getting on 270 and going about 25 miles per hour with my emergency lights on. Both hands on the steering wheel, radio off, no distractions whatsoever. I'd take about two miles to be able to merge from one lane to the other. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's just your, your first child and you're, you're just paranoid and you want everything to be right. And I remember carrying them up the steps into our apartment. I'm like, you know, laying them down in the bed and then walking out and then walking right back in. Is he okay? You know, and do that. Now, by your third baby, you just throw them in bed and throw in a bottle. And uh... <laughs> Pastor Dave was the third child. That kind of adds up there. But every bit of their life, you teach them. I mean, even, even the smile, you're, you're, you're leaning over there and smiling. And you, you remember that first time that they smiled and you got all excited. And then the noises came out and it wasn't them smiling at all. <laughs> and you tickle them and you, te- you teach them to, to, to love and to laugh and to joke and to care and to brush their teeth and all that. And now, now with Jordan, I'm, I'm at a di- different stage. Now it's... Him getting into the driver's seat and me getting into the other seat and yelling out the words, those are brake lights, brake lights, those are brake lights, you know. <laughs> he's got it, you know, he's, he's this close, he, he just finished his driver's ed and now he's starting the in cars and all those things are coming. God had a plan for Jordan to grow into the man he needs to be. It was called being born into a family. God had a disciple-making process. It was family. It was a way of developing the kids in the home. It's a way of developing people in the family of God. And, I, and I, I, I'm able to teach my kids to influence. I, I'll be honest. I, I don't remember us ever having a day where we woke Jordan up or Logan up or Morgan up and sat there and said, all right, today's lesson will be walking, all right? Lesson number one will be standing up. And, it, you know, there, was, there wasn't that. It was, and I think sometimes we have the mindset of discipleship being almost like going through a book, you know, and we want them to, and it's not. It's, it's life because I tell you, everybody's in a different spot and everybody learns different and everybody... But I tell you, if we have the idea that it stops here, and I'm going to tell you, this is why the church has failed. And I'm being honest. The church has failed in a lot of ways, especially in America, because we think that the gospel is just salvation. And and don't think that I'm preaching heresy when I say this. The Great Commission was, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Ghost. And we all say, Amen. So we bring them up there, they get saved, we bring them up there, they're there, everybody applauds, and God says, great. There's a verse that follows, 20, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you. That is part of the great commission. 
So to sit there and have the birth of a bunch of people and sit there and let them do this, it's not our job. But our job is to help them get to this. Whether it's your home or your Sunday school class or deacons in the church or whatever it is, that, that is our job. So I want to I I build a church. I I'm, I'm visual. I want to build a church. They're born into a family. I'm going to build a church. I'm going to start calling disciples. I, I need a Peter. I need a, I need a guy. That, thank you, Mark. I'm going to use this Peter. I, Jesus one day was going across, and he probably saw this guy that was hyper. <laughs> And, and this guy was full of personality. I, I tell you, Peter gets a bad rap, but Robin, if you'll say, I, I want you to be one, one of the first people in this family, because you, you guys don't understand that this guy was char- characterized as being strong-willed and, and courageous. He's the first guy that when they ran to they jumped out of the boat. You know, you know what I'm saying? The other guy, I don't even know if he looked to see if they were on the water. He's like, okay, you know, just, this is it. none of this is a dig on you. I don't want you taking this as... You, you, I just was looking for a guy that looked like a Peter. So he was close to Jesus. But I tell you, he was passionate about Jesus. And you can say what you will. And a lot of times we want to leave it off at John 21 of, you know, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my lambs in the restoration. But we forget about Acts chapter 2 and 3. When he boldly proclaimed before thousands of people and people got saved and baptized and added to the church. There was another guy, the son of Zebedee. His name was James. Where's Brent Matheny at? Brent Matheny would make, hey, hey, I'm, I'm going to call you into this church. Now, it might not look like a church because right now, all I'm doing is assembling this army together and they have purpose. But I'll tell you, God doesn't pull people into a body of Christ without having purpose for it. I know I'm calling you the... Uh, James, you, you could probably play a good Jesus too. <laughs> but for today, for today, we're just going to call you uh, James, okay? He was a fisherman with Peter and John. His nickname was the Son of Thunder. Actually, the, the, both the brothers, James and John, were both the, the Sons of Thunder. They don't know if it was because they were easily angered or because of the fact that they preached with boldness or whatever it was, but that was a nickname that they were given or maybe they got fired up and, and this guy was like, hey, let's go get them. And this guy was like, those stinking Pharisees. You know, I, I don't know. There, there was that, that passion, that, that conviction there. James had a brother. He had a brother. I, I don't know why God called the brothers to work together. Maybe he did something wrong and God says, well, I could give him leprosy. Or God says, or I could just make him work with his brother. There had to be something going on in there. But I, I need a brother. Mark, would you be a brother? I need you to be Brent's brother, okay? So you're, you're called into this family. And this guy was a, a, a little different because a lot of times we, we don't understand the differences between these guys. That The fact that Peter had his gifts and abilities and you, you get down here. Uh, let me have you switch places. Sorry. And all of a sudden you realize, that did, did you know that he actually wrote five books of the bible our our gifts and our talents are different he was more of an intellectual a thinker 
He was devoted. He actually claimed to be the closest of the disciples. You know, you read in there different things where he says, you know, the disciple that thou lovest, Lord. And it's like, okay, he was like kind of building himself up with this. It was Peter and John who discovered the empty tomb. And I'll tell you, these guys were close. Peter, James, and John, they were close. They stuck together. A lot of times they're referenced together in Scripture. And then there's Matthew. Matthew was totally different. He was not a fisherman. He was a tax collector. To give you a little history behind that, you can imagine when three guys have something in common, then you throw a fourth guy into it, and he's called. Matthew had some oomph about him to understand the gospel because you read the New Testament. The first book was written by Matthew. But he was not a fisherman. He was a tax collector. Now, you got to understand, a tax collector wasn't liked by most, and they had low self-esteem because they were hated by most. They were the ones going out to receive the money that the, the, the Romans were putting out, and he just got a bad riff for that. I'm not trying to pick on you, Don. Will, will you come up here and be my tax collector? And, and here's the cool thing about this. As God knew that this group of guys needed somebody that was different. I I tell you, if you ever try to box the church in and put one category, one style of person in there, you're going to be strongly disappointed. Matthew is recognized as being one of the leaders. Open up the New Testament and you begin to read his writings. Simon the Canaanite. He asked most people about Simon. They could not tell you. He was... Kind of in the shadows, not really recognized by a lot of people, but God would not have put him in the Bible if he didn't have a reason for it. Chuck Stanfield, will you come be my guy that not everybody knows about, but maybe they know you just simply because you stand at the door. And they might not know their name, but they know that you love them. I'm going to tell you what God did in the book of Acts. He began to take people from this and bring them all the way through the influence of these different men. By Acts chapter 17, they came out and they said, who is it that's turning the world upside down? Oh, those are the Christians. Do you realize the Christians started with these men? And I, I, I could keep pulling up people, but for the sake of time, let me just stop right there. These guys did not get what was going on, but I know that it was powerful of what God was doing because God was building the church. And he built the church to where he said, blessed are thou, Simon Barjona. He said, I'm, I'm going to do something. He said, flesh and blood had not revealed it on them. You don't even know what's going on yet, Okay. But my Father, which is in heaven. And he said, I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I'm going to build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You look up here and you say, those are just a bunch of dudes. And God says, no, I'm going to change the world with that. I, I am different people of different backgrounds, of different personalities and different ages. He said, I'm, I'm going to change... And you say, well, there's no power in that. You you might look at you and say there's no power in that. But when God assembles people together, he said, the gates of hell, all the powers of Satan cannot prevail against that. You belittle what we do and you have the idea that it doesn't matter. And oh, what part do I play? You you play a huge part in this. 
understanding what God is doing and what God was assembling. Because by the time we get through the book of Acts, they were turning the world upside down. Powerful. It started here when he said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. And this second is likened unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Tell you, you can't, you guys, we can't have the relationship of this until you start with your relationship with God. Because you have nothing to give them. Nothing to give them. Turn with me as I'm going to explain to these guys what's going on here because maybe they don't get it. Ephesians chapter 4. I want to, I'm not trying to get off topic. I want to, they, they need to know what's going on here. Because they have a responsibility. Jesus just didn't call them together and said, all right, guys, go, go hang out and, you know, do your own thing. He said, no, let me explain your responsibility, what, what, you, what we do here. He says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16, from whom the whole body, that's, that's all you guys. And by the way, it grew into all this. Okay, so don't write yourself up. From whom the whole body... Fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working of the measure of some of the parts. Did I get that wrong? Oh, it says every part. Every part matters. That's part of the body. Maketh increase of the body unto its edifying, building itself up in love. So let's back up. The whole body represents young, old, newly saved, seasoned, here for a long time, was here when they broke the ground of the church, and those that are visiting for the first time. I'm telling you, when he said the whole body, he didn't leave any part of it out. When when you're born into the family of God, you are born into the family of God. God does not stop and say, all right, you're over here, you're, you're, you're third class, but one day you'll work up to this. No, you are part of the family and God said the only way that the family is going to work is when it's joined together fitly joined together meaning they are connected they are they are a family they are connected it's the only way that it works and God said no they're not only connected they're compacted because the fact that my elbow reaches my arm and my, my arm reaches my wrist and they're connected. And he said, no, I'm going to do something greater than that. I'm actually going to link them in the body. He explained how the muscles and the tendons and the nerves and the, the veins and everything go over. He said they're actually compacted. And, and from them being connected like that, or let me put it like this, they're united. Guys, can you put your arms around each other just to... You need a picture of that right there. <laughs> United. All right, that's enough. You guys are looking goofy. <laughs> Had nothing to do with the message. I just wanted to see it. <laughs> They're compacted. Don't stop right there. There's a reason they're connected. And there's a reason that they're compacted because... Supplies, it meets the need of every part. Robin, you have a responsibility to Brent. Brent, you have a responsibility to Mark. Mark, you have a responsibility to Don. Don, you have a responsibility to Chuck. 
And it goes that way and this way. And God said, that's the body of Christ. That is how it works. You say, why? Well, God does something amazing. According to the factual working of the measure of every part, every part does their job. Do you know that the body would not be increased if, Mark, if you were to take one step forward and say, you know what, I'm not being part of that? And people do that when they get hurt or they get upset or I, I don't, you know, all of a sudden they break the unity. And I might be here and I might be in the family, but I tell you, I, I, I'm mad at this, you know, and all of a sudden we break the rhythm of what God had for us. It's like when, you're, when you fall and you twist your ankle or something like that and you're limping around, the whole body doesn't affect the ankle and you just say, well, it's just me. And God says, no, the whole body's affected. One part is out of place. It doesn't work that way. But you step back and you're united and they're able to minister one to another and this makes the increase of the body unto the edifying itself in love. What they experience from one another, it's not hate, it's not what's in the world, it's not greed, it's not backstabbing, it's love. It's love. I came here in 2000. I came here in 2000, I was out of Bible college, I had no kids. I had hair, but no kids. And uh, we were married three years. And uh, I, I came to the church, and um, I'll be honest, I had an education, I had a degree, but I didn't have the practice of it, I didn't really know. Any of you guys ever been there before? Where you had a theory of something, you've read to what to expect when you're expecting, but that doesn't tell you what to do when they're crying at 3 a.m. with a fever, and you're freaking out, and you're scared, and you're calling mom. See, some of the things I, 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 I didn't know, and so I came to the church zealous, but not really sure. But thank God, when I stepped in the Fellowship Baptist, I did not just step into a church job or a career. I stepped into a family. This is not Peter. This is Robin Rice. Robin Rice and I began to work together in the teen class. And I didn't know Robin Rice that well, but I know that he reached out and connected to me. Because that's what a family does. The Bible says the whole family fitly joined together. And I'll tell you, sometimes when people walk in, they don't know their place. And somebody reaches out, but they put their arm around you and says, Hey, we're having a thing at my house to discuss what we do with the teens. Would you mind coming over? We sat in your living room and we began to cast vision. And I'm sitting there learning and I'm listening. And I'm like, okay, well, who's this? And, and who, who's the different leaders? And you begin to tell them. And we, we prayed together and we walked out. And I felt... Maybe I can do this. It was scary. It was different. But I wasn't alone because that's what family does is they connect to you. They reach out to you. They pull you in. If we're going to lead people to love others, we've got we've to connect to them. You, know, you understand that. And so I had some crazy ideas, Robin. I, I did. And I, I, didn't, I didn't know exactly what to do. I didn't have it all figured out, but I, I realized that if God was leading me to do something, that God had a plan for me to do that. But what, what I didn't realize what was going on with Robin is we were driving down the road in your bus and you stood up and I thought you lost your mind and you said, in or out, in or out. And all the kids were yelling either in or out and I'm driving the bus. And I'm like, what is he doing? 
And I come to find out they pass a, a barn. And they always see if they could guess if the cows are going to be in the barn or out of the barn. And, I, and all of a sudden they go there and half the bus is cheering about the cows being in the thing. And I'm like, how did he just motivate kids with cows? But I tell you, I learned from that, Robin. I did. And he said, if you can connect with their hearts in a relationship, you can connect in the room when you get up to preach. I, didn't, I was like, oh, that's good. <laughs> but Robin didn't say, well, Tony, we're about to learn a lesson. And uh, as we pass the barn, you know, it was just influence. You know, you know what influence is? It's, it's iron sharpening iron. So man sharpens the countenance of his friends. So Robin, through his connecting, was like, hey, Tony, one day, <laughs> you got two kneecaps. One day, that crazy 23-year-old balding dude could end up being the pastor at that church. And I could have never been if I didn't have somebody yelling cows in or out. So we go on a mission trip to Brazil. And here I am standing side by side with that guy that we've done all those things with. And in the middle of this trip, they come out and tell us that the girl's dorm, the toilet was completely plugged. And there was, I mean, it just, it, they, it was, it was, anyways, it was a bad day. I'm freaking out. I'm, I'm upset. I'm trying to figure out what to do. The girls are crying and all this other stuff. And you pulled me out into the yard. And you put your arm around me and you were like, Tony, God has us here for a reason. And even a plugged up toilet could end up being an illustration of God trying to teach us something. I didn't know. But I can tell you right now that it made a huge impact in my life. That iron sharpeneth iron. You see, God was working in my life to lead me to being what, and I'm not going to say that I've arrived, okay? Don't ever, I, I, I don't want to, but I can tell you my testimony easier than I can tell you your testimony. In the course of that, I met some pretty cool friends. And we, when we first came here, uh, this guy was, we, we met at, where did we meet? Graders. We were outside. You were standing next to Stacy. And I asked you the question, when are you going to marry that girl? I had no idea that he already had the ring and he was playing it out. And I'm sitting there talking about their engagement. <laughs> I, I had no idea. I, I had no idea the first time that I met Brent. That, that he was going to be somebody that connected to me on a personal level of helping me get through my life. And see, the whole body doesn't just connect. It cares. It says in 1 Corinthians 12, 24, For our calmly parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together. The next verse it says, But the members should have the same care one for another. Amen. We care differently. Let, let me tell you, a lot of times we have the idea of caring is, is the matter of reaching out to people in, in efforts to o- overcome something in their life. Sometimes it's just a matter of walking with them through life. Like having a crazy idea of saying, hey, I want to be, do, have you approached Pastor Denoff and Mrs. Denoff about taking over the drama? Mrs. Denoff, you probably remember that Cap City, like 10, 12 years ago of me taking over the drama. We were sitting there and, I, and they said, why do you want to do that? I just don't know. But I remember I didn't do it alone. We did it together. We did it together. 
And I, I remember telling Brent that I have an idea that I want to make Jesus go up in the air. And he said, how are you going to do that? So I took out a napkin and I began to draw out a contraption that I said it was going to be. And he said, now you're going to put me in that. No Billy Pastor. And he did it. I should have made. you told me you went up first. I did go up first. Yeah. Which still didn't make sense because you're like 50 pounds lighter than me. Well, I, I didn't go all the way up. I didn't tell you I went all the way up. I said that I went up. So here I am walking by faith, not walking alone because I had somebody next to my side. And I went to Tim Hortons again, Sunday night after church. I pulled out another napkin with another pen. And I said, I'm, I have an idea of adding on to our church building. I said, I, 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 want, I want to build. I want to add on. And Brent works for Igle Construction. And he said, you know what, Tony? He said, my dad came along, Pastor Denoff, to help him build it. I'm going to come alongside with you and help you do this. Here, me and Brent, remember, we were chopping up the parking lot for the first day, getting ready to break ground, and he called me up on my day off. It was my day off. I forgave you about that. Sleeping. It was, it was super early in the morning. It was like 10 a.m. It was like crazy. And he said, come down here. There's something you're going to want to see. And here, him and I were out in the parking lot before anybody. All it was was me, him, and this machine out there cutting up the parking lot. I'll tell you, that was a scary spot in my life. I'll tell you, the whole thing was scary. It wasn't that bad. I didn't do it alone. I faced challenges along the way. Not just in ministry. Home, kids. We, We have boys that are best friends. My kids are either at your house or at my house. And our daughters are best friends. Logan, Ryan are best friends. And that's how it allowed us of how do, how do you deal with this problem? What are you going to do with this? I remember when Mark was nominated as a deacon and all of a sudden I had somebody that was, knew where I was, not just as a pastor, but as a dad. Amen. Provoking me and pushing me and, and, and challenging me. and not, not, not just at the church, but all the time. Sharing life together. I remember this guy. I'm going to tell on you, so don't get mad at me. (laughs) Of uh, stepping in as pastor and trustee and a deacon in our church. I come in on Monday morning and he'll be like, you've got a minute to talk. Telling on you, okay? (laughs) And I'll, I'll go in my office and he'll say, when was your last date night? He said, what are you doing with your boys? And I'll tell you, Don, I, I would have messed up by now if it wasn't for you. I'm telling you the truth. Because I tell you, he might know where I'm at, but you already know where I'm going because you've been there. It makes a difference. It absolutely makes a difference. And all of a sudden, I had somebody confronting me, because I'll tell you, that's what family does, is it confronts. The Bible says, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. You say, man, he was getting in your business. No, as a brother in Christ, he was doing this. Hey, what are you doing with your family? Are you you taking time? Are you doing this? And he said, Tony, if you lose your family, you lose everything. You say, it's none of your business. You better, you better lose that attitude because brothers care for brothers and sisters care for sisters. That's what we do. We have enough casualties because people are still doing this. 
We're not at that stage anymore. Do you understand? We're not at that stage anymore. All of a sudden, because we encounter the love of God and the acceptance of God, and then he said, second is like unto that, that should flow all the way through this. You say, wait a minute. What about this dude? This dude, I I could even give the illustration of this guy even this morning. He greets at the door and he greets everybody. But he hugs me every Sunday, every Wednesday. He doesn't just hug me. He whispers in my ear and he says, I love you, Pastor. What he doesn't know is there's been times when he has done that. That I was upset and not even wanting to go to the pulpit to preach. Guys, pastors get upset and pastors go through hard times and pastors get bad news and pastors deal with that too. And sometimes it's just that little spiritual push for him to get behind me and go, go get him, buddy. He said, well, you've actually never pushed me, which I I give you permission (laughs) to do that if you want. But it's that spiritual push. I'm just telling somebody that you love them and you care for them. And I'm going to tell you guys, when you look at this group up here, you're saying, what is that? This is a team of people that helped me get to where I'm at today. And I'm not saying that I've arrived, but I can tell you I would not be where I'm at if I didn't go through. And I'll be honest. I'm going to be totally honest. Half this church right now should be up here with this line of people. I'm not the only one that needs this. The whole thing that God was doing as he's doing all of this is of confronting it and all these different things is along the way, I, I, I went to a family that connects the family. And I went into a family that's going to provoke me to say, man, you can do this and God's with you. And they just kind of push you along and, and maybe just encourage you and do those kind of things. And maybe sometimes when I'm messing up and I, I get discouraged, there's somebody that just reaches out and like pulls you back up and says, dude, you're getting a little off track. Because we do. But then there's some of them that just calls you out in a good way. And says, man, I've been where you're at. Are you doing the right things? Are you taking the right steps? And then there's sometimes that you just get this. And it, and it takes all of that. And you say, I'm not a good hugger. You might be more of the connector. You might be the connector, but I tell you, you might be. Some of you are just good at calling people out. You're ugly. That was dumb. <laughs> Don't do that again. But I can tell you what happens is it increases the body and edifies itself in love. The bottom line, if I could give you anything like to teach you a message or a lesson today of what this is about. That it does not stop there. That people have got to step into this. And you're going to find along the way, we're not only teaching them the love, but at the same time, we're, we're loving each other because every joint supplieth. But at the same time, when somebody steps in, they're not an outsider. There's somebody looking to be connected. And if we don't do it, we're never going to produce what God has for us. You guys can be seated. If I could give you one closing thought, I want you to know as part of the family of God, you are not alone. If you're walking alone and, and all of a sudden you, you, you go through this thing like this, and people are reaching out to you and you're sitting there going, no, no, you know, it's not going to work. 
And at the same time, if you're over here and you've got, you're, you're sitting there like this, it's not going to work. And I am, I am completely convinced with all of my heart that God's way works. And now that I gave you the illustration with these men on the stage, let me throw right back here. Nobody is exempt from what I just said. Nobody. You're either the one that's staying there, that's been there, doing that, and you're provoking them and pulling them and loving them or whatever, or you're the one that just stepped in. But I'll tell you, it's time that we understand that discipleship is being one and making one.